truth. And aren't you glad that we have an inheritance in heaven? Oh, I'm grateful to be a Christian. I wanna tell you the good news that I have about the search program for just a little bit. It's been a few years since I've been able to talk about it, but God has blessed us in so many different ways. And I'm so grateful for that. We are now, of course, still in all 210 television markets of America. That includes all of Alaska and all of Hawaii. Beyond that, we are now nationwide in Canada. Yes, in all the provinces. Beyond that, we cover the Caribbean. We go all the way down to Guyana in South America. We cover much of the Pacific from Tahiti all the way to New Zealand. And God has opened up door after door for us through all of that, and we are grateful for it. When we think about all of the things that God has done for us, one of the things that's most exciting this year has been that we have begun to put our transcripts into Spanish. And we're now opening up the door for 41.8 million people in the United States and in other countries as well. Our work on the internet goes all over the world. You can find a, um, a station map if you're looking for a station and you're on vacation. You can find a church map if you're traveling to other parts of the country and want to find a church. That can be very helpful to you. We have songs on our website and many, many resources that you can go to and download free. And we're thankful for all of that. This church has been a strong support to our work for 41 years. No church all over America has given what this congregation has given to In Search of the Lord's Way. And for that, I am profoundly thankful. You have been with us all these years with our singing. You have been with us all of these years in supporting us in ways that are far beyond with our volunteers and many things that have made such a difference. And God has opened up those doors for us. And we are so grateful for that. One of the things that's been exciting this year is people are calling quite often to ask for materials. They're calling quite often to ask Bible questions. Mike Kane and Will Jean both answer questions along with me and sometimes Chris and others. But we get those every day, hundreds of them every year. Questions where people want to know what the Bible teaches. One of the things that has been most exciting to me this year has been the number of people who've called in and they have said, we're looking for a church home. We want to find a biblical sound church to go worship. And uh, sometimes it's a bit of a challenge for us to help them with that. But for the most part, we're thankful. But what has been even more interesting is that the people who've been calling have not only asked for a church home, but have also wanted to be baptized because they want to be baptized according to the teaching of the scriptures, not the traditions of men. Doctrine matters. And when you preach the truth, when you preach the doctrines of Christ, it does bring about people who recognize that what they have done in the past and what the Bible teaches are different. And they want to come and be a part. We have seen it in years past, all through the years, but I, I have not seen it near so much as I have seen it this year of people wanting to be baptized. And I'm thankful for that. VBS was so exciting this week. Thursday night was the most exciting period of all for me. 
I know that was not VBS, but several of us met right here in this room, and I was privileged to get to baptize Jonah Watson, my one and only grandson, into Christ. I have 12 grandchildren, the others are girls, and he is special to me. I love all four of my grandchildren who are here in Edmond and all of the ones in Alabama and Tennessee. But Jonah is very special to me and we've been talking and many other things. And so there's one thing I ask you to do and I'm very serious about this. We've been talking about praying without ceasing and constantly remembering and those kinds of things. Please constantly remember in search of the Lord's way. We are doing work in places nobody else is going. And we need your prayers. I personally need your prayers. So pray for me and pray for the ministry which is under the oversight of the Church of Christ in Edmond, Oklahoma. You are the sponsoring congregation of this great ministry. It's not the Phil Sanders ministry. It's the Edmond Church of Christ ministry. And I do not forget that. And I hope that you will not forget that either. Peter came to Jesus and asked the question, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times. Ah, Jesus said to him, I don't say to you seven times, but 70 times seven. I want you to keep on forgiving. Keep on having that relationship with that person. And yeah, I know they offend you. I know sometimes they annoy you. I know sometimes it's hard to get along with them. Some people are lovely and some people are unlovely. Some people you can get along with and some people, oh boy, they are a rough thing. But you keep on forgiving. Keep on forgiving. Why? Because that's the way God has been with us. And so he says in verse 23, for this reason the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts. Now, it had to have been a king to have this kind of money. To settle accounts with his slaves. And when he had begun to settle them, uh, one who owed 10,000 talents. 10,000 talents. Talents is a weight. It's very expensive. One who owed 10,000 talents was brought to him. But since he didn't have the means to repay... His Lord commanded him to be sold along with his wife and children and all that he had. Now, man, that would be a pretty tough thing. And repayment be made. I want you to think about how much 10,000 talents is. Now, the approximate modern equivalent might be this. If a laborer earns $20 an hour, and uh, works about 2,000 hours per year, he would earn around $40,000 per year. And a talent would equal $800,000. One talent, $800,000. Hence, 10,000 talents, <laughs> hyperbolically, represents really an incalculable amount, a great debt far beyond any he could pay, in today's terms, that would be about $8 billion. A billion is a thousand, thousand, thousand. That's a bunch. Most of us living a lifetime in here. If we took every person in here and we lived 100 years, 
we would hardly come up with $8 billion. So the slave fell to the ground. Oh, he prostrated himself before him saying, oh, have patience with me and I will repay everything. I don't know how he could. And the Lord of that slave felt compassion, compassion, and released him and forgave him the debt. I think about this massive debt and what it means, what this forgiveness is all about. The massive debt that people owe because of their sins to the holy and righteous God cannot be repaid. If you only sinned once a day, that's 365 sins a year, over 700 in two years, 3,650 in a decade and 7,300 times in two decades. I'm over 70 and I think about how many times I have sinned if I'd only sinned once a day. Most people don't sin just once a day. Sin is far more pervasive than that in most of us. It only takes one unforgiven sin. Only one unresolved sin. Only one sin not washed by the blood of Jesus for us to stand as sinners in the eyes of God. Just one. That's why we have to think very seriously about sin. We have to think very seriously about repentance. And we have to think very seriously about our destiny without God. When I think about this, I think about how that when we start thinking about sin, how utterly, how utterly incapable we are of paying for those sins on our own. Folks, we need a savior. We need someone who can rescue us. We need the forgiveness of God. We need someone who is capable of washing away those sins, of removing and covering over them, to remove them as far as the east is from the west. Somebody who loves us that much. Because the wages of sin is death. And we're not talking about physical death, we're talking about an eternal death of separation from God. God's great mercy and patience is far beyond anything that I could describe so briefly and so quickly. He didn't have a situation where, okay, you did something wrong and right now, right now, this is the end of it. Right now I'm gonna pay you, make you pay for it. He didn't do that. He allows us to grow and he shapes and molds our lives and helps us to become someone different. He's somebody who, when he washes us clean, he forgives all our sins, not just this one or that one, but all of our sins so that we can be justified in his sight. Then comes the hard part. 
But that slave went out and he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And he seized him and he began to choke him saying, pay back what you owe. Now a hundred denarii, that's a hundred days pay. pay. That would be around, if in modern terms, maybe $16,000 at a $20 an hour job. That's payable. You have debts, and I have debts more than $16,000 if we bought a car. Ooh. And let's not even talk about buying a home. Let's not talk about college. Oh, wow. That would make you about one semester, wouldn't it? And you think about all of that. You think about that. And this fellow slave, he, he seized him, was going to choke him. He fell to the ground. He began to beg him, plead with him, saying, have patience with me and I'll repay you. But he, that is the guy who'd been forgiven of so much, he was unwilling. And he went and he threw him in prison until he should pay back what was owed. Now, if you were in prison, your pay would be very small. It would take far more than 100 days to pay that off. And it would not be kind. He had no patience. This forgiven slave had no compassion, no willingness to forgive the small payable debt that he demanded payment right then. So when his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were deeply grieved. They came and reported to their Lord all that had happened. And then summoning him, his Lord said to him, you wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt, all of it, because you pleaded with me. Should you not also have had mercy on your fellow slave in the same way that I had mercy on you? And his Lord, moved with anger, handed him over to the torturers until he should repay all that was owed him. Then he says, the Lord speaking, my heavenly Father will also do the same to you. If each of you does not forgive his brother from your heart. Did you hear that? Let's think about what God has done for us. Merritt spoke so well in the song that we sang, he paid a debt he did not owe, and I owe a debt that I could not pay comes into mind. But God's gracious provision of the blood of Jesus that washes away our sins, the blood of Jesus that justifies us and sanctifies us and helps us in so many ways, when I think about that, I think about how good God is. When the Apostle Paul wrote to the Romans, he said in Romans 5 and verse 6, he said, for while we were still helpless, some versions use the word weak, it's like a little baby that can't feed itself, can't keep itself clean, can't do anything for itself. It's wholly dependent upon someone else. While we were still helpless. At the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Sometimes we think of the word ungodly and we think wicked. But an ungodly person is that person who doesn't give a second thought to God. God's not a part of his thinking. And many of these Romans, before they became Christians, had never heard of Jesus, had never heard of the, the Jews, uh, God, the Father who created the world. They thought of many gods. They didn't know the true God. God wasn't in their heart. They were ungodly. So the scripture is very clear and plain. 
He says, for one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man someone would dare even to die. But God demonstrates. He shows. He makes it real. He demonstrates his own love toward us. In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God loved you so much that when you couldn't save yourself, when you didn't know anything about him, and when you sinned against him, you offended him again and again. He still loved you enough to send Jesus to die for you and for your sins. Paul said in the book of Galatians about Jesus, chapter one, verse four, he said that Jesus gave himself for us, for our sins, so that he might rescue us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. And yes, we needed rescuing. We needed forgiving. It is a great day in our lives when we come to understand, I need a savior. I need someone to rescue me. I can't save myself by myself. And without Jesus and his blood, I have nothing amazing grace. How sweet the sound. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 24. And he himself, I want to put that underline of himself. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, on the cross, so that we might die to sin, leave that old way of life, and live to righteousness, for by his wounds you were healed. He could have saved us this way or that maybe, I don't know. But he didn't just buy our freedom. Merritt talked about being redeemed. In ancient times, slaves were redeemed by money. But the slavery to sin could only be redeemed one way and that was by the blood of Jesus. And the redemption that Merritt was talking about was a much greater redemption. It was not paying $8 billion. It was paying blood. Blood caused from wounds to his hands and to his feet and a crown of thorns on his head and a whip to his back and to his chest. It was a spear that went through his side. Jesus died for you personally. He himself bore our sins in his body. We have God's graciousness and his gift. It cannot be earned, cannot be won, cannot be a prize. It has to be a gift from him to us. And if we could live a thousand lives, we could never repay the debt we owe. And so one of the things he asks of us is we need to forgive others. Matthew 6 and verse 12, and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven those who are our debtors in the prayer of Jesus. Again, after that prayer is over, he says in 14 and 15, for if you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if, now he's speaking to Christians here, if you do not forgive others, now here's the response, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. That's said to Christians. 
We ought to be different people than the people of the world. And if God could forgive us, we ought to forgive others. If we have an unforgiving heart toward our brother, how can we expect to enjoy the grace of God? If we have that unforgiving heart, then we will indeed lose our souls. Ephesians 4, verse 32, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. And I think about the statement in Colossians that really helps me a great deal. He says, but now, verse, chapter three, verse eight, now you also put them all aside. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, abusive speech from your mouth. That's what happens when you get hurt. First thing you wanna do is be anger. You wanna get back. You have malice. You have abusive speech. No, no, put them all away. Get rid of that. Don't lie to one another since you've laid aside the old self with its practices. And you've put on the new self. You're somebody new if you become a Christian who's being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. We ought to be different people than we were before we became Christians. People of compassion. In fact, he describes us a little bit later on beginning in verse 12 of Colossians 3. He says, put on, we put off the old man, now put on then as God's chosen ones. God chose you through the gospel when you obeyed it. You have an inheritance. You're his child. You're one of the elect. You're precious to God. You're chosen. And not only are you chosen, you are holy because the blood of Jesus, when it washed you clean, it sanctified you and made you holy. Now let me tell you what, you can look around and every member of the body of Christ in this room is a saint. There's no special class of saints. Anybody washed in the blood of Jesus is a sanctified person, holy. That's what the word saint means. A person who is holy, same word. One is an adjective, the other is a noun. That's the only difference, same word. You are holy. And not only that, God looks at you and says you are beloved. God loves you. Your compassion, put on that compassionate heart. Kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bearing with one another and if one has a complaint against another. Forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so also you must Forgive, And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together. Have you ever wondered why the one servant would not forgive the other? I think it's because he first of all forgot the marvelous thing that God the king had done for him. He had been very rich. He had had great power. Anybody that had had that much debt probably was somebody who was very self-indulgent somebody who had everything at hand. And perhaps he thought he was something special and above the law of God. He was selfish and greedy. Ecclesiastes 5 and verse 10 says, people who love money won't be satisfied with money. And he who loves abundance with its income, this too is vanity. You can never get enough and apparently he couldn't. People look at the sins they commit differently you know, whenever you are the one who commits the sin, you want mercy. <laughs> but whenever you're the one who has been sinned against, offended, 
You want justice. God will give us justice if we don't repent. But will give us mercy when we ask for it. I'm thankful I have a God who loves me enough to give me mercy. We often live in a kind of a fantasy world thinking that sin doesn't matter. 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 9 makes it clear, or do you not know that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? And they won't. You can't live an ungodly life, a sinful life, and inherit the kingdom of God. What does it look like to truly forgive? I'd like to point you to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 18 and 19. It says, Now all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ, who reconciled himself to us through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, namely that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Then I want you to see this phrase, not counting their trespasses against them not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. The meaning of forgiveness is that you don't count trespasses against somebody. I got a scar right there. I was 10 years old when I got that scar. Five stitches, oh my. That doctor came toward me with this needle, you know, before he put the stitches in and it got right close to my face and it was frightening for a 10-year-old boy. And he gave me that shot that did in the pain. He gave me the stitches, put a bandage over it. That was many years ago and my brother Joe did that to me. After more than 60 years, I still have the scar. But I love my brother Joe, and I saw him yesterday at my oldest brother's 80th birthday. I love my brother Joe, and it doesn't matter one whit to me that I have this scar. You see, you may leave scars on God of things you've done wrong, sometimes it's harder for you to forgive yourself than for God to forgive you. But the fact is, he doesn't count those trespasses against you. As far as the east is from the west so far, has he removed our sins from us? That's forgiveness. The purpose of forgiveness is what? Reconciliation. What is reconciliation? Bill, a word means, hey, I've offended you, but we're going to get back together. I'm sorry, and you forgive me, and now we're friends again. To reconcile means we're back together. We're one. God loves me, and I love him. Even though I sinned against him, we're still one. We still have that friendship. We still have that relationship. I'm still his son, and he's still my father, and I'm going to go and live with him forever and ever and the Lord Jesus, my Savior. Reconciliation is the purpose of forgiveness. I think about Joseph. 
Genesis chapter 50, beginning in verse 15, it says, when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph bears a grudge against us and pays us back in full for all the wrong which we did to him? So they sent a message to Joseph saying, your father charged before he died saying, thus you shall say to Joseph, please forgive. I beg you the transgression of your brothers and their sin, for they did you wrong. And now please forgive the transgression of the servants of God, of the God of your father. And Joseph, Joseph wept. Joseph wept. He wept when they spoke to him. And his brothers also came and fell down before him and said, behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. And you need to hear this next part. Don't be afraid for, am I in God's place? As for you, you meant evil against me. He knew what they meant. But God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result to preserve many people alive. So therefore, do not be afraid. I'll provide for you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. That's a scene. That's a scene of forgiveness and reconciliation and kindness. We are ambassadors for Christ. And we, uh, we say, be reconciled to God, 2 Corinthians. Be reconciled to God. Today is the day of salvation. And I hope for you it will be a day whenever you are reconciled to God. If you're not a Christian, how do you become one? Well, when they ask the question, what shall we do on the day of Pentecost, the very first day of the church, the first time these guilty souls ever asked, what do we do to be forgiven, to be right with God? He said, repent ye and let each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. That's why we're baptized. For the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promise is for you and for your children and all them that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call to himself. And we've been called by the gospel. We've learned about our sin. We've been told to repent and to be baptized because we believe in him. And we want to be right with him and we want to love the God who's loved us, heard every prayer we've ever prayed and cared for us every day of our lives. If you want to be close to God, then repent and be baptized this morning. But I also want to remind you that this passage in Matthew 18 was not really written for people outside the church. It was written for people in the kingdom of God. And whenever we have a hardened heart that will not forgive, we not only have lost the relationship with a person that we don't forgive, but we lose our relationship with God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. It may be that you need to repent of that, to put off all of that anger and to put on a heart of compassion. If you need to make a change today, we pray that you will. There will be elders waiting in the parlor if you need to talk to one of them. 
We have this in front of us if you need to respond in front of all. But if you've never been baptized, if you've never repented of that sin that's unresolved in your life, get it right and don't wait. Do it today while we stand and sing.